Welcome to Happily Ever After is just the beginning. Keeping your relationship not just together, but happy, and we mean truly happy, is part art and part science. You've come to the right place. Here's your host, Leslie Dorries. a really important word because it's the foundation for all relationships. If I can't trust you, then what does our relationship look like, especially if we're married? Betrayal, a word that feels like a kick in the gut. It's enough to not just blow up your relationship. It can and does severely damage your whole life. It brings about soul-searching questions that challenge everything you believe in. So, is it even possible to recover from betrayal, especially if it's at the hands of someone who promised to love, honor, and cherish you? Can a relationship really be resuscitated after the damage of betrayal? Is it even possible to rebuild trust? So, believe it or not, the answer to those questions is yes. Jay Pyatt, a certified sexual integrity mentor, is here to explain how this can actually happen. So, Jay, thank you so much for being on the show today and for really addressing what I think is a really, well, it's a really hard thing, but it's also a really confusing thing for most people who've ever been betrayed. It sure is, Leslie, and and thank you for having me on the show. So, I found you because you wrote a really interesting guest post for a blog that I follow, which I love the title of it, Must Be This, Must Be this Tall to Ride. Got a hard time talking this morning. And the title of the article was Seven Steps to Rebuilding Trust in Your Relationship After Betrayal and Lies. And when people talk about betrayal in marriage, infidelity is kind of the first thing that comes to mind. But betrayal can actually come in all kinds of forms, people who hide money, people who share secrets um, outside of the relationship. In fact, lies of any kind all qualify as betrayal. And believe it or not, most people don't understand, they're all equally damaging. And the recovery process is also the same for all of them. So your premise in the article, which I loved, is that rebuilding trust is not just possible but also worthwhile. And what did you mean by this? Well, you know, this is within marriage. It's the most important relationship that you have. Mm-hmm. And if the other person is willing to stick around, going through this process is a way of um, kind of rebuilding things from the ground up so you can go back and restructure your relationship on a much healthier footing. You get to know each other at a much deeper level, um, and you begin to practice new tools that uh, should have been practiced probably all along, (laughs) but the, the... this reworking of the foundation now makes that relationship so much stronger if you can get the other person to join you in it. And that's, that's where you, you can run into some problems. Ab- absolutely. And I've had, and I consider it a privilege to work with people who are um, going through this process. And I tell people, 
it is one of the hardest things that you will do as an individual or as a couple, but it also can be the best thing that you can do for the very reasons that you just stated, is that it gives you the chance to kind of start over. And, you know, I agree, things that people should have been doing in the first place, and I always tell people that betrayal is never a good thing, but it can be made into a better thing if it actually causes different behavior. And I know that you have gone through this process, and what was the first thing that you had to learn when, when you stepped up to the plate? Oh, uh, well, the, uh, the first thing I had to learn was just to be humble about it. Um, there, there is a um, place in me that thought this would, this would be like I could just apologize, stop lying, and everything would be over in a couple of weeks. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, that's, that's completely pie in the sky. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, that humility of just being able to hear the pain that the other person is feeling without going to defensiveness, without going to shame, without going to uh, blame shifting, you know, just some of those behaviors that I have exhibited, it didn't work really well. Um, And that just being willing to, okay, I need to just sit in what they're feeling or they aren't going to, they're still not going to trust me. Well, and I want to acknowledge that Um, revelation, but I also want to normalize it. This is what a lot of us do. Nobody wants to feel responsible for the pain that somebody else is feeling. So we all engage in all these not very productive behaviors, and it really is, and this is what I tell people um, when I'm working with them, that for trust to even have a chance to be rebuilt, we have to acknowledge the pain that the other person is feeling. And this is what I tell people. I said, the person who decides is the person who's hurt. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's it's really tough because I don't want, whether it's my spouse or my child or my friend or whoever, I don't want to be the source of somebody else's pain. So it's like we go into all this stuff. So, yes, it's critical, but it's also normal. All right. right. And I think one of the – one of the places that it helps to stay away from is trying to to um, make that pain equivalent to something. Yes. What that person is feeling far exceeds anything. You know what what my wife Lori felt far exceeded anything I felt that led to the behavior that I exhibited. Mm-hmm. You know I I describe it as. Somebody ran her over, I ran her over with a dump truck uh, and left her bleeding on the ground, and in the process I broke my finger, and I want to complain about my finger, and she's mm-hmm. laying on the ground bleeding out saying, not a priority right now. <laughs> exactly. You know, so. And one of the things that I loved about this article is that you actually talk about the steps of the process to to healing, to rebuilding. And the first couple of steps are all kind of in alignment, being consistent, being proactive, and meeting needs. And what do each of these entail? Well, that's a 
That's a good question. I do want to clarify one thing. They, I use the word steps, but they're really not steps. They are building blocks. They're things you have to consistently do. You can't just... Um, well, yeah, it's not just once and done. Yeah, yeah it's, you, you have to be consistent throughout. So consistency is if you start something, keep doing that thing because consistency is the very source of everything that's going to happen from now on. If you're inconsistent, that ground is not stable. This person exactly. who's been lied to is so frightened of unstable ground, they need to know they can trust the ground. And when you're inconsistent, they're like, I have no idea what's going on. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and Lori has frequently said to me and said to our clients, it would be better if you never started at all than if you are going to be inconsistent. So you have to stay consistent. You have to start things and stick to them even when it gets painful. Especially when it gets painful. Because in reality, that's when our partners see, wow, they're willing to do this even though it's hard. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And and, uh, the same with being proactive. So I... The word proactive, I said in the article, it's a word that I I got pretty frustrated with Mm -hmm. because it can be kind of vague. But here's the thing. To be proactive, you you need to do the next few things in this process on your own initiative. So instead of waiting for the other person to tell you, um, I need you to ask me about certain behaviors, I need you to share your passwords with me, I need you to tell me what our bank account looks like, you just need to do it. And um, we'll get to, uh, you know, what some of that looks like here in a minute. And then meeting needs, you know, the first opportunity to meet needs or to be proactive is in meeting needs, is asking that person, you know, specifically what they need when... Um, you know, my betrayal, you, you linked that to infidelity. Mine was through pornography. I, you know, I lied to my wife more than a thousand times about whether or not I was watching pornography. Mm-hmm. And um, many, many, many women have the same feeling over pornography as they do over uh, physical affair. Oh, absolutely. Is, yeah. You know, it's like the, the uh, last nail in the coffin for some of them. So meeting Lori's needs, I had to go to her and say, okay, what is, you know, what does this look like? What does, what is it going to take for you to feel safe? Because they don't feel safe. You, you know, I lied a thousand times, so it's, it's hard to feel safe when I'm just not lying anymore. I need to do more than that. So I, I had to be proactive and ask her, what do you need? You right, and, and then, of course, the flip side to that is to really listen and not, um, not challenge. Now, I think it's fair to ask for further clarification because sometimes, it's, especially um, if it's the woman who's been betrayed, it's, it's very difficult for women to 
ask for things, ask for specific things. Sometimes we get it into our heads that we shouldn't, we shouldn't have to ask or we shouldn't have to tell because if somebody loved us, they would just know, which I call the mind-reading school of marriage, which is, please, let's yeah. not do that. Right. But a lot of times, the, it's, we can't ask somebody who's been betrayed to justify or defend what they're asking for or what they're sharing with people about or their partner about what needs to happen. And, you know, and it is. It's terribly uncomfortable um, right. having to, and I call it being radically honest in that, right. you know, once betrayal has happened of whatever kind, you cannot tell a lie either of omission or commission, you know, you can still be gently honest, but you can't, but it goes back to that whole trust and that consistency of, I need to be able to trust what you're saying and what you're doing. Absolutely. And, and you know, in some of these cases, you, you know, Lori couldn't look inside of my head to know what I was seeing, what I was thinking, what I was doing. And so there's got to be a level of, um, you know, almost foolproof accountability mm-hmm. until I can reestablish trust enough that she can trust in my word alone again. And so uh, right. a lot and what of I tell w- people is that you have to continue doing that until the end of time, that it's not, there's no, there's no <laughs> right. expiration date on that because that trust has been violated. Right. And, and it does... You know, she, so this has been an eight-year process since um, uh, what we call our D-Day. Mm-hmm. And uh, in that time, you know, some of those things have decreased. Um, some things are still in place. They're there for my healthy behavior, but they're also there for Lori's safety. Um, Right, and And, they do get better with time because that's the whole thing about rebuilding trust and rebuilding the relationship, but it's also maintaining those relationships so that it never happens again. Yes, absolutely. You know, and that's that's a critical component, I think, to this whole healing and rebuilding process. Right, right. So this is Happily Ever After is just the beginning on webtalkradio.net. I'm Leslie Dorries, and I'm talking with certified sexual integrity mentor Jay Pyatt about how to rebuild a relationship after betrayal. And if this has happened in your marriage, the hurt can be devastating. And you may be getting a lot of advice about what you should or shouldn't do, and what you may not know is that it is possible to rebuild it. But it's pretty difficult to do on your own. And if you would like some help, I invite you to contact me today for a free consultation and discussion about how to do this. Um, you can reach me at area code 919-924-0463. Again, that's 919-924-0463. Or you can send me an email at leslie, L-E-S-L-I, at foundationscoachingnc.com. That's F-O-U-N-D-A-T-I-O-N-S coaching, and is in Nancy, C is in charlie.com. And I want to continue with the next two steps in this process. Not, well, as we said before, they're not really steps, they're behaviors um, that are so critical in their openness and vulnerability. And why, why are they so important? Why are they so necessary to this process? Well, so openness um 
openness and honesty are two sides of the same coin. Mm-hmm. Honesty is you ask me a question and I, I give you a truthful answer. Mm-hmm. The problem with honesty is if you don't ask me the right question or you don't ask it in the right way, I can give you an answer that's true but not helpful. Or not complete. Not complete, right? So if, um, if somebody says, well, I'm not going to use my phone at work today, but then they get done with work and they're sitting in their car and they're using their phone, they've met the letter of the law but not the spirit of the law. Uh-huh. And so the, the idea of openness is something that we were talking, that you talked about, radical honesty. Mm-hmm. I am going to share with you information that you need to know before you ask for it. So you need to be proactive in this, right? So going back to the proactive right. um, behavior earlier. So that openness may look like, um, you know, this uh, – thing came up in our bills, and I know I haven't been honest with you about our money, but I just needed to let you know that this is what I did, and and usually the openness works even better if you can share with the person beforehand what you're about to do and get their buy-in on what you're doing before you actually do it. So there's <laughs> more <laughs> which proactivity, is, which is right? a critical component of a successful yeah. marriage anyway is that, you know, you work as a team. Everybody should, be, everybody should know what's happening as, as much as possible or as soon as possible. Right. And that's, um, you know, again, as these are like the basics of rebuilding trust, one of the other things that people will identify is, your spouse is not your adversary. They're your teammate. Now, and what even a concept. Though, <laughs> yeah. Well, and even though they're coming to you and saying, hey, you broke my heart, it hurts. You know, like you said earlier, we don't, we don't want to hear that. And so it's, it's almost like we want to resist them. Mm-hmm. And, and then we're no longer teammates. So that's, that's a problem, and that kind of leads into vulnerability. I need to be vulnerable enough to say, you're right. You know, I need to be vulnerable enough to look at my negative behaviors and the impact that they have left on this person who I have committed to. And, you know, be vulnerable in that I may or may not uh, be doing the very things I need to do to, to fix the relationship. Yeah, and vulnerability is um, an interesting in word, an interesting concept, and it's sort of all over the. You know, it's 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 very out there right now as an important thing to do, but it is incredibly challenging at times because. I mean, just by the very word, we're sharing who we are. We're sharing our thoughts, our feelings, our fears, our desires and that's you know one of the things that I've always told people is to be vulnerable is to be incredibly strong it's not a weakness because in order for me to share with you my deepest darkest thoughts I really do have to trust you I have to you know and it's like I have because I don't know what you're going to do with that and I think that that's a really incredible piece of this process that when the person 
who the the betrayer, for lack of a better word, can open up and be vulnerable, that sort of sets a tone where me as the person who's been betrayed can then also be vulnerable. Because I know that that's one of the things that happens, and it's this idea of there's no going back from a betrayal. Um, that, that the only option is to leave the relationship because the damage is so great. But I think that that's also a defensive position on the part of the person who's been betrayed because they don't want to be betrayed again. Exactly. Yeah, and, and you know, as, as you go into these steps, that consistency, if you're inconsistent in, the, in these steps, that person is re-experiencing parts of that betrayal because, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it looks like a duck, it quacks like a duck. How do I know this isn't another duck that's about to, you know, tear apart my marriage again? And that's really hard when we're inconsistent. That's really hard when we're not sharing openly and vulnerably about what's going on in our lives. You know, and again, this, if we can do this well, even if there is a betrayal in our marriage, if we could do these things well, we would have such a strong relationship, you know, being vulnerable with one another, getting to be fully known. Um, how huge is that in the relationship we really long for? Well, it's absolutely essential for the relationship that most of, most of us say we want, but it is stepping into that openness and vulnerability and that's a whole scary process and I think that's where a lot of marriages relationships in general get off track Um, and you talk about the final behaviors um, about taking ownership and then and then the last one is really interesting recognizing blind spots so what are these all about and what's involved in implementing them okay the so taking ownership basically means uh, I need to own what I did. I need mm-hmm. to own, you know, in my case, I, I lied, uh, you know, for four years to my wife about my use of pornography to the point she said she didn't think it was my problem anymore. I lied that heavily. Wow. Um, and I need to own that. I need to own that yes, I did that, and yes, this is, uh, you know, a a result of those behaviors is the situation we're in right now. Right, the consequences of of my actions. Mm -hmm. Right. And by taking ownership, you can't uh, not take ownership on you. You can't own and then deny (laughs) <laughs> and that was that was a behavior, I, and I hate to say it, but I, that was a behavior that I exhibited as well. I'm going to own this part of it, and then you're going to ask me again later, and I'm going to say, well, it wasn't really like that. Mm-hmm. And now the other person is like, okay, am I losing my mind, or is this person just this, you know, off base or whatever? So this owning and denying it can be very problematic. So once you own mm-hmm. something... Uh, own it to the extent you did it. You know, you don't have to own everything, but you have to own the extent of your behavior. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and then in recognizing blind spots, being humble enough to hear from the person you've betrayed 
that you may not have the uh, tightest grasp on on how you behave, mm-hmm. um, on on how you show up in life, and some of those behaviors you exhibit um, are questionable to that person. You know, they they need to feel safe, and then you do something that doesn't seem safe to them, but you're not aware that you're doing it. That's a blind spot. Interesting. And they may, okay. you know, they may come look over your shoulder and say, "You know what you're doing here, right?" And and uh, you know, I've had a few epiphany moments like that. Of um, no, I was not aware that you know this thing that I was doing, you know, causes you to feel, or you know, you feel unsafe when I do this certain thing. And so then I have to be, you know, humble again to learn. Oh okay, there's, there's things I do that look unsafe to my spouse, and I'm not aware of it. Interesting. Yeah, and that's a really interesting viewpoint because, by definition, if, there, if it's our blind spot, we don't know about it. We, right. we go around thinking, oh, okay, this is fine, and then mm-hmm. my partner says, um, no, that's really not okay. <laughs> and, I, and I love the idea of it of being humble and being open to hearing the perspective. Because, again, one of the things that I talk about is I may know that my intentions are not ill-intended or I'm not trying to hurt somebody, but if somebody's hurt, then am I willing to step back and go, oh, maybe there's another way to do this or maybe I shouldn't be doing this at all. Um, because and it goes back to the taking ownership of this is the outcome, and do I want that to be the outcome? Right, right. And um, it does take uh, a mature stance. You know, I was, I hate to say it, I was a terribly immature person that thought, well, I should be able to keep doing all of the things I've done before and the reality is some of those things had to change. There are some things in my life, because of my betrayal, because of my lies, I don't get to do anymore. Mm-hmm. That does not mean I am uh, under my wife's thumb or she's controlling or anything like that. I've chosen her safety over my own um, pleasure, my own enjoyment, whatever it might have been that I had to give up for her safety. And again, that's, that's not a bad thing in relationships to be able to sacrifice or, or give of yourself to your spouse and, or your partner. And, and my listeners are going to know I much prefer to give, up, give to my spouse as opposed to sacrifice because <laughs> right, a lot yeah. of it has to do with the way we think about things. And, you know, I always find it interesting when you know, people who want to be in this intimate relationship say, well, I shouldn't have to change who I am. And it's like, uh, well, there are things that are, that are necessary for a healthy relationship that, yes, we get to choose whether or not we're going to do them. But, again, then we have to take ownership of the consequences of either choosing them or not choosing them because, you know, consequences can be good if it's something that we want as well as bad if it's something that's harmful. Um, And it always seems to, you know, amaze me when people say, well, I shouldn't have to, you know, if 
In fact, I had a client years ago who came in and said, well, if I do what my wife wants, she wins. And I went, oh, my gosh, we got a problem here. (laughs) I mean, if it's an unreasonable request, then yes, I think that it's perfectly okay to say, yeah, I'm not going to do that. But if it's a reasonable request, then, and I love my partner, why wouldn't I do that? Even though, yeah, it's, it means, you know, I might not be able to do some of the things that, that I've done before. And I guess there's a part of me that doesn't understand what about that concept is so hard to grasp, other than the fact is I want to keep doing what I'm doing. Right, right. That, that, again, that immature holding on to I want to get my way, I should be able to do, you know, X, Y, or Z without consequence, and that's not how the world works. You know, not, not all the time and certainly not in marriage. So. Right, and I, you know, and, and I, I really need to remember who said this because it's one of my all-time favorite quotes, and I have no, I, I can keep forgetting who said it, but the quote is, marriage is our last best chance to grow up, which I love. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's great. You know, I love that quote because it yeah. really is about um, – Conscious choices, and you know, and one of the things that's like, yes, when we become parents, for most of us will step into doing things we don't necessarily want to do. You know, when I used to get woken up in the middle of the night because you know one of my kids was sick or they needed their diaper changed or whatever, I'm you know I'm lying in bed going, can't you please go back to sleep? But I would actually get up because <laughs> that was right. I was responsible, and but. We seem to have a different viewpoint when it comes to our spouses, mm-hmm. because yeah. with our spouses, it really is much more of a choice. Right, right, and they're self-sufficient, and and you know expectations and unspoken expectations and all those things that are mm-hmm. you know are very complicated within adult relationship. And emphasis on the word adult. <laughs> yes. Yes. So, well, Jay, you know, this has been fantastic, and there really is more in, in the article um, that, you t- that you talk about that's critical for the success of this rebuilding process. And so I cannot recommend that people read this article enough. So can you tell people where they can find it, where they can learn more about this process that, that you've talked about so well? Sure. Um, the article is posted on Must Be This Tall to Ride, which is Matt Frey's uh, blog about his divorce and, and that information. Um, I definitely want to give a plug to my wonderful wife, Lori. She has a website called pornpainhealed.com. No spaces. Um, Can you say that she again? Helps. Sure, pornpainhealed.com. Okay. Um, Again, because my behavior was pornography, we, you know, began working with couples from that standpoint. Mm-hmm. And she works with the spouse of uh, that feels betrayed, that is going through the trauma of of this mm-hmm. discovery process. And uh, you know, <laughs> she is the much more awesome member of this team than I am. I'm, I'm the one that just is like, okay, I've learned all of this through my own 
<laughs> trial and error and trying to figure out what, you know, how to grow up and, and some of those kind of things. So, um, you know, she's she's the Ph.D., and I'm the guy standing there going, whatever she says, you know. <laughs> but, uh, um, and then my website uh, is pretty subtle as well. It is called pornistkillingme.com. Again, no spaces, pornistkillingme.com. Um, and I work with guys who have had a long-term history with pornography and lies and betrayal, as well as any other kind of sexual integrity issues. Mm-hmm. Um, but we also, you know, if these tools work in deep crisis breakdown, these tools also work in not-so-deep crisis breakdown. So there's, yep. a, you know, a place to work with other marriages that are not dealing with this specific issue. But uh, um so those, those are the two places you can find Lori and I right now. And um, we are going to be doing a video series on this uh, very soon. Great. And so if, if somebody goes to my website and they sign up, I will um, let them know, you know, when that video goes live. Terrific. So, you know, it's commonly accepted that the only option for betrayal is to end the relationship. And many people actually say, well, I would leave if this ever happened to me. But then they're frequently surprised about how hard it is to make that choice if it does happen. There's, it's more complicated than most people ever know. It's more complicated than black, white, stay, go. And the truth is recovery is both possible and worthwhile. It will also be incredibly challenging, but as you've you've heard today, it's really a way to grow up, be better, um, do better. And not doing it on your own will increase your chance of success. So there's help out there, and hopefully this show continues to help. Um, And until next week, stay loving. 